Hello and welcome to this Gateway House podcast. My name is Shobhashish. Today we are going to be discussing the attacks that happened in Paris uh, over the weekend where nearly 130 people died uh, as per media reports. To discuss the repercussions of these attacks, what happened, how it happened, why it happened and the future course of action, we have with us uh, Ambassador Neelam Dev, Director Gateway House and Samir Patel, he is the National Security Fellow at Gateway House. So Neelam there has been another attack in Paris over the weekend uh, nearly 130 people have died this is second attack in Paris over the past few months first was Charlie Hebdo what is France doing right or wrong that is you know making them uh, this target for ISIS uh, so frequently well, i would say first of all that we shouldn't uh, conflate Charlie Hebdo attack and uh, this latest attack uh, on several targets in Paris Uh, Charlie Hebdo was directly linked to the publication of cartoons uh, mocking uh, the prophet and uh, it was should be anticipated that there would be some kind of response no matter in how much time because in every other case including the danish magazine which started it uh, all of them had been attacked at one time or another and that was a very focused attack uh, the targets were the people that were held responsible the editors of the of the satirical magazine i think that this latest attack is much more uh, comparable with what happened uh, in mumbai or uh, what happened in uh, in new york and in a number of other european cities uh, in madrid in uh, london uh, but uh, it is also a fact that uh, France has been much more uh, in the lead and much more vocal in uh, uh, talking about and acting uh, against uh, various uh, uh, Middle Eastern countries so it uh, it you know uh, it took the lead in uh, starting to bomb uh, Libya and was followed actually by the UK and uh, quite reluctantly by the United States until they were able to turn it into a nato operation uh, it has been in the uh, uh, in the levon uh, you know in syria lebanon etc uh, for decades uh, these things are uh, distorted by claiming that they are the responsibilities of the colonial power in fact the colonial power should be out of there as we know very well to our cost in india that the colonial power left uh, india partitioned and actually has no moral claim uh, to talk to us about uh, jammu and kashmir or any other matters that it arrogates to itself so uh, i think that you know uh, everyone sympathizes totally with the victims in the paris bombings uh, it's a time of tragedy and certainly uh, there is a solidarity being expressed uh, with france including in the g20 meeting in antalya which the agenda of which has actually been taken over by the two related uh, issues oh, they are not strictly related but they are being related the uh, the terrorist bombings in paris and uh, the influx of refugees from syria into europe and the relationship there is of course the uh, aggressive and hostile activities of various european powers in uh, syria uh samir i want to uh, to come on uh, come in on this uh neela mentioned that this was similar to the 2008 mumbai uh, you know attack uh 
is it is it safe to say that uh, global security agencies you know across the world failed to learn from what happened in mumbai or they never took too much interest or uh, significance of that attack i won't say the security agencies failed because counterterrorism is always a work in progress and of uh, of course after the 2008 mumbai attacks security agencies worldwide have looked at how terrorists harness the technology in executing the attack how they use the existing loopholes in the financial system to fund their activities and also in terms of how they plan the attack and more important lesson for the security establishment from mumbai was uh, in terms of sharing and analyzing the available pieces of intelligence and uh, information so these lessons have been learned and when if you look at the response of the french special forces in uh, uh, responding to the hostage situation they have also honed their skills uh, from their operations in against uh, al qaeda in the islamic maghreb in the mali as well as the previous attacks in paris so they have learned uh, lessons but overall you have to understand that even as the security agencies look at the previous attack for, for learning lessons the terrorists are planning the next one so that's where you know that the, the limitations do come up in terms of how these attacks evolve <laughs> but uh, also uh, the one terrorist who was identified uh, you know he was on the watch list of uh, of french agencies for a long time but they still uh, failed to stop him or uh, to figure out if he had gone to syria ever or you know any kind of links so is it becoming more and more difficult for security agencies to to contain these uh, these these problems i think the lone wolves inherently present that kind of danger as against uh, organized uh, terror groups because they do want to remain anonymous and therefore evade the the surveillance and the detection by the the security agencies now i think france is expected to take a lead and you know ask the other european union countries to share data in terms of the airline passengers as well as the the refugees who cross the border so i think they are going to you know address that vulnerability uh neelam uh, now france is saying that this is an act of war uh do you think they taking the lead now in in all those air strikes is going to make a lot of difference or is it still like a unilateral impact uh, you know different from what russia and what us is doing uh, i think clearly there are efforts for uh, greater uh, coordination or at least coherence in uh, attack trying to attack uh, isis uh, one of the things that will happen is to give impetus to british efforts to try to overturn the uh, the british parliament's rejection uh, of uh, entering the attacks against syria that will be one immediate uh, development um, there are talks on in vienna to try to address uh, isis there has been a meeting between uh, the us president and uh, the russian president in antalya um these are all pointers towards uh, greater coordination between what at this moment uh, the us uh, uh, france australia etc their bombing uh, campaigns in um, syria and borderline iraq though everybody has not moved in to start bombing in iraq as yet uh, as well along with uh, the russians and the assad army in uh, in syria now uh, the russians of course themselves have been uh, very much stung by bringing down of the russian aircraft also claimed by isis very often we don't know what these claims mean uh, when an organization like isis or al qaeda claims the atrocity 
uh, it may have been involved it may have been just the inspiration it may have had some part in uh, you know tapping into a local uh, sleeper cell or a lone bull attack of the sort that uh, samir was talking about uh, but russia itself now needs uh, to uh, legitimize and to show some success in the bombings uh, for its own uh, public as well as i think it would like now it is shaky uh, to be uh, along with uh, uh, other countries on the other hand uh, frankly speaking it's not clear what the outcomes of these uh, efforts will be uh, what uh, uh, the french president has done by a bunch of uh, air raids in uh, syria is exactly how the americans invaded iraq immediately after 9/11 and of course uh, the world uh, but most of all afghanistan is living with the consequences of the bush misadventure which france had strongly opposed Uh, and uh, and uh, france and europe and the rest the syrians above all uh, may well end up living with the consequences of what could be a misadventure uh, by the french now raising the ante and assuming that bombing which does not kill their own soldiers but kills indiscriminately on the ground regardless of claims that they are aiming only for uh, isis cells etc Uh, will will uh, it is very unlikely that it will bring uh, peace and harmony uh, also nilam uh, there was this fear that you know this huge refugee influx uh, there might be some all the uh, some stray elements which might uh, enter europe and create such issues uh, uh, that has happened clearly that that fear has come true how do you think this uh, you know impacting this entire refugee crisis in europe I think clearly there were efforts to draw that link earlier because all the European governments were talking about their fi- fighters from their countries, nationals from their countries who had gone into uh, into uh, Syria, joined ISIS at various stages for more than a year now. Uh, there is supposed to be one uh, Syrian passport, and they are talking about one of the uh, suicide bombers. it's always a little bit for tweeters that the fellow would bring his passport along so that it can be found by security services afterwards when the body is blown to bits uh, so i think we should view these things uh, carefully it may well be true i think the first and immediate effect it will have uh, will be on an already embattled uh, german chancellor angela merkel uh, whose uh, uh, the members of whose cabinet have been expressing uh, unease they've been expressing opposition a lot of pressure will build up on her because she had uh, in fact uh, opened the doors of germany and said that they would take up to 800000 maybe 1 million uh, refugees from syria now at the time of course they were accused of uh, trying to fill the uh, deal with their problem of aging and fill the gaps of uh, of trained young Uh, workforce which uh, many of the refugees from syria are in fact trained professionals but uh, but all of the uh, right wing parties in europe have already reacted marine le pen has called for an end to any refugees to be taken in there are this, there are similar calls from uh, uh, the uk there are calls from as far away as the united states of america not to take any refugees from syria um on the other hand of course it is obvious i think to everybody that as these uh, desperate people 
cross over from Turkey into the Balkans through Greece, through Italy, uh, across the Mediterranean. There is no stopping them. Are you going to shoot? Uh, how many more fences can be built? So this is a real dilemma for uh, European governments. But first of all, uh, for the German Chancellor. Right. Uh, and Samir, uh, you know, we are, we are seeing that the borders are being closed uh, all over again. Uh, Germany did it earlier and now France is saying they'll do it. How do you, how do you look at the security implication of, uh, of disbanding this uh, Schengen Agreement? I would expect uh, now more coordination in terms of the intelligence sharing and analyzing the information. Also, as Ambassador Dave talked about uh, refugee crisis, so there should be now could be now more emphasis on toughening of the immigration laws. Also, enhance surveillance on the people who are already under watch, the kind of lone wolves and the terror suspects of the and the suspects uh, sympathizers of the Islamic State. And about that, the scrutiny of all the incoming uh, uh, refugees, because there were, there were quite a few suggestions that, you know, that these refugees were let in without any proper check. So now the security agencies could in fact say that, you know, that we want to do a background check before each of the refugees allowed inside uh, Europe, at least the European Union. Mm. So this clearly means that the life of refugees is going to get more difficult while they are trying to come in, uh, come in Europe. You know, and just to add to that, uh, the life will be made much more difficult, including by impending winter. It's already a problem, and you know, as it is, they are being housed in schools and gymnasiums and all kinds of other facilities. But certainly, things the whole process will slow down because of all these checks that are necessary. But you know, the closing, the tightening of border controls also will impact the free movement of trade and uh, and European citizens themselves within uh, uh, the Schengen area. So there is, uh, there is also a major uh, economic uh, implication for the tightening of border controls. Uh, uh, Neelam, do you see uh, Europe now getting more serious in tackling this ISIS issue? We were, see, we were looking at that uh, Russia's 18-month uh, plan, which, uh, uh, which very conveniently did not mention Assad at all. But, but it's a very uh, serious plan which has been put forth on the table. You know, Russia is not irrevocably committed to Assad. In fact, there have been statements from uh, from the Russian leadership that uh, saying precisely that that you know, if Assad goes, it's okay. Uh, that they have interests, including the the base in Tartus, including the uh, kind of return to bipolarity and some level, some kind of equality with uh, with the United States and a return to the Middle East. That may be more important for them. But they have quite probably quite correctly, keeping in mind the experience of Iraq, said that some governmental structures need to be retained. At this moment, the government is headed by uh, Assad and clearly identified with the Alevite sect that he belongs to. So uh, the plan uh, that the Russians have put forth uh, certainly is an attempt to make a political uh, uh, possibilities for discussion, taking all the attention away, as at the moment uh, all the attention is simply on military means. And even the military means are really very limited, bombing. I mean, the experience of the Second World War should have taught everybody that bombing does not win you even a conventional war, leave alone against a non-conventional enemy. Uh, that plan that the Russians have put forth is precisely the kind of thing that 
would eventually emerge out of a Vienna type uh, process where you determine a somewhat distant date for elections 18 months away uh, where you say that all parties to the all stakeholders can participate that would include uh, Assad uh, and his uh, Ba'ath party along with uh, at least one or two other uh, Syrian rebel groups though it is not clear that there are any Syrian rebel groups with any credibility but these can be engineered very quickly as usually happens in uh, in such situations there will be a group which will be put forth which has Saudi and Qatar or UAE support uh, there will be a group that will have the support of the Europeans and the Americans to make it look like a genuine uh, election uh, or some political reconciliation is uh, is being attempted so uh, the Putin plan even though they as yet uh, have not put it forth as a Putin plan, uh, has all the elements that can lead towards a kind of political resolution. But those political resolutions are themselves very unstable, as has been seen in Yemen, as has been seen uh, in Libya uh, quite recently. Uh, there is a need probably in Syria, which is disintegrating rapidly into uh, its uh, ethnic and uh, and uh, religious uh, divisions as also under pressure from uh, the uh, the uh, strength of the Kurdish uh, Republic that the Americans helped create uh, in Iraq the divisions within Iraq itself uh, there actually will be the emergence of a strongman who might be able to control a growing part of the territory but probably not the whole of uh, of even Syria and there might be finally some movement towards the fulfillment of uh, Kurdish dreams you know uh, Syrian Kurds jo joining up with the Iraqi Kurdish Republic that already exists is viable is quite democratic and has secured its borders and provided along with Iranian troops and Hezbollah the best fighting forces against uh, ISIS uh, Samir, uh, this was the diplomatic you know, solution for the Syrian problem. If I may ask you as a security analyst, what do you think uh, would be the solution? Bombing is not an answer, as uh, Neelam said. Is uh, putting boots on ground uh, a viable solution? I don't think so, because again, as Ambassador Dave talked about the fact that, you know, that this is more like a conventional answer to a non-conventional threat. And in case of the Islamic State, that is not going to work. What you need is in more in terms of a response from the drawing out of machinery within Europe. Because that's where I think, you know, the... The, the kind of enabling environment for these terrorist activities is uh, growing. So, uh, uh, you would know that know that uh, the, the the France has called for the meeting of the minister, meeting of the interior ministers. So, in that, I think uh, the French government is going to take up the issue of a the uh, better intelligence in terms of creating the data of the airline passengers as well as the refugees who are coming inside Europe. But also, more importantly, the issue in terms of the firearms security because. Uh, there have been some discussions saying that you know how these arms were able to make their way inside France, and France is quite uh, disturbed by the fact that you know that there is uh, arms trafficking which is going on within Europe. So they may now discuss ways to uh, crack down on this kind of uh, activity. Right. And uh, lastly, uh, since uh, India has suffered such an attack in 2008, do you think this gives uh, India a chance to you know uh, share some kind of an intel of what to do or what not to do in such situations? Or they are not asking us anything. I don't think so. But 
in my understanding india's role right now would be in terms of norms creation and you know from for a very long time india has maintained that you know that there cannot be any distinction between good and bad terrorists and that one man's freedom fighter cannot be another man's terrorist oh, sorry one man's terrorist cannot be another man's, yeah. another man's freedom fighter so i think prime minister modi has also talked about that that, that he has to, uh, called on the united nations to define terrorism and adopt the comprehensive convention on international terrorism so i think that there would be uh, the role of india in terms of the norms creation but domestically i see this as a good opportunity to take stock of the situation right now and review the steps which we took after the uh, mumbai attacks because after the mumbai attacks we did initiate some kind of systematic reforms and also better surveillance mechanisms but still our response in terms of responding to a uh, uh, a, a hostage situation or suicide attack is still uh, lacking in terms of the operational preparedness so i think this is a good time for the security establishment to uh, you know uh, examine various scenarios and analyze what kind of response india can uh, uh the anniversary of the mumbai attacks is going to is is in 10 days so uh, do you see a lot of media you know uh, hype over over these attacks in 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 the indian press over the coming days it is and that's stems precisely from the fact as ambassador they talked in the beginning about you know the similarities in terms of the attack the similarities in terms of targeting a, a, a restaurant a prominent city like bombay and in terms of an armed raid and then the combination of suicide attack so there would be a you know a media hype regarding this but what we are missing from this is that you know that what kind of lessons that can be learned and you know, also look at what kind of steps we took after mumbai attacks and whether they have been effective is mumbai prepared for another 2611 that is a question that we need to ask and which no one is asking uh neelam and last question to you do you think uh, uh europe is going to be much more uh, in a difficult spot from now on or uh, things are going to look better you know europe is already in a difficult spot trying to the the nobody is talking about greece anymore but the financial crisis will rear its head again uh, nobody is uh, talking about uh, the fact that there is slow growth in the european economies particularly france has not had very high growth so those issues remain and uh, already the uh, had led to the emergence of or the strengthening of right wing forces in all these countries and you have looked at the fact that uh, poland has a, a government that is led by a strongly right wing party the the tragedy in all of these is that these right wing forces also want to leave the european union or at least minimize their uh, their uh, association with the european union so whether it is uk in uk or you're looking at portugal right now if those forces come in they are not friendly to the european union either already there are right wing governments in sweden in uh, in finland so two things are happening i think one is of course that uh, nato will become even more influential than uh, it is at the moment in terms of uh, determining foreign policy of the different european countries in trying to bring it uh, closer together now uh, you know it may give uh, some sense of uh, comfort to some of the european countries whether it's a very uh, uh, it's a very useful or promising way in addressing issues like terrorism because militaristic responses have not been helpful uh, in the past but on the on the other hand what is a country to do when something like this happens it feels the pressure to make that kind of response uh, i uh, i would say really that europe is uh, looking at difficult days uh, 
and because uh, the European Union remains the largest economy in the world, it will have repercussions uh, for uh, the rest of the world as it becomes more inward and closes in, uh, close, tries to close itself off uh, from the rest of the world. Um, perhaps uh, it will learn the lesson that the United States tried to do that after 9-11, but after a while you have to live in the world as it is. And all of us uh, need to take, uh, take a lesson from that. And uh, all of us have to rethink, all countries have to rethink their, uh, their foreign policies and the uh, processes of democratization, whether militarization, whether more and more power for internal security mechanisms is the way to go, or perhaps uh, economic policies that uh, create uh, less uh, inequality and that have a less harsh impact on uh, the environment uh, might uh, bring about a, a more positive uh, outcome. Uh, Neelam, Samir, thank you so much for this insightful discussion. You were listening to the Gateway House podcast. Please follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Facebook and Twitter. Stay tuned for more podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.